On today's episode of Unveiled, you get to meet one of my closest friends from seminary. Her name's Jessica, and we talk all about what seminary was like, our challenges, our frustrations, our joys. Um, It's kind of a behind-the-scenes look into what the strange life of seminary is. I pray that as you enter this episode, even if you yourself are not planning on going on seminary or do anything in ministry as far as like a professional setting or deeper education, I pray this episode still encourages you to find yourself wherever you're at and do the challenging things, whatever that is that God has called you to. It might not look the same as it did for us, but I think the takeaway that you'll see is that Anytime you enter in a situation that is hard and God has called you to it, you've got to trust in yourself and that God is working in you to get you through it and to use your voice for good in this world. So enjoy this episode. Hey, you guys. Thanks for joining the conversation on my Unveiled podcast. I'm Dallin Morgan, a wife, a mama, and also a pastor. We'll be looking at different topics that interact with daily living, minus all the churchy language and endless scripture quoting. This podcast is for anyone and everyone who is interested in deepening their faith in a practical and honest way. Let's get to the conversation. guys, welcome back to another episode of Unveiled. I am so excited about what we're going to talk about today. It was actually a suggested thing. You'll notice at the end of every episode, I say if you have any questions or comments or any suggestions of stuff you want to talk about or hear about or have guests speak on um, to let me know. And so someone did. And so today we are going to follow up on that topic. And it's a topic that probably applies not to everybody specifically, but it could apply to many people Uh, the bigger concept of tackling really big, huge things. So today we are going to talk about what it's like to go to seminary, but I'm not going to do that alone. My conversation partner today is a friend of mine. Her name's Jessica Aziz. Um, And so I have invited her to come on and we're just going to kind of share our experience of what it was like and how we survived it Mm -hmm. um, and any advice that we have. So welcome Jessica to Unveiled. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. Um, Jessica, why don't you, I obviously know who you are, uh, but why don't you share kind of who you are, what you do, and uh, then we'll kind of go into seminary life. Sure. So um, yeah, as Dallin mentioned, my name is Jessica Aziz. So I am currently a um, co-pastor of Modern Worship at a church in Frisco, Texas. And so I get to do that. And then I also have a background in community organizing. So worked on the front lines of doing criminal justice reform and immigration reform and getting out the vote. And so I'm obviously still doing a lot of that work today. Um, But yeah, all around just involved in different aspects of ministry. And then I am a new mom. So I have a six month old Sophia. And so together we are riding the highs and lows of quarantine still Yes. Um, but yeah, just, uh, trying to do, do the best we can these days. So awesome. Well, I, 
I have to tell you, when Jessica and I met, she was obviously not a mom. <laughs> no. <laughs> we were obviously in very different places than where we are today. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to think, when did we even start seminary? I was thinking that this morning, too. I think, I think, because I got married in 2013, like, right after I got married is when I really started praying about seminary. And mm-hmm. so, I think it was 2014 through two, 2017 for, for me. Okay. Yeah. So it's been the same because, Mm -hmm. well, and let me, let me just add this. So I, I try to like not use words that people don't know. And maybe everybody listening is like, I know what seminary is, but let me just put this out there. Before I started seminary, I had no idea what it was. (laughs) I thought it was like a monastery. (laughs) Are you becoming a monk? Yeah. That's why people thought of us. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I was like, you know what I was like, trying to figure out like I would be called into ministry and they were like mm-hmm. you need to go to seminary I thought you want me to go live like in a monastery and not talk to people like how does that work with family like <laughs> I was so confused yeah. and so we're listening this seminary is just theological education right a place yep. you go and you learn and you study a whole lot about like God and the world and how all those mesh together so um that's what we're talking about today what that was like um and yeah I think that's funny Jessica you think the impression is that we just sit around and like <laughs> pray (laughs) yeah same thing like with pastors like all you do is write sermons oh lord do i wish yeah that's probably the easiest part of the job now although probably at the beginning of seminary i didn't think that that was the easiest part Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah so we both went to southern methodist university smu in dallas Mm -hmm. and specifically we went to perkins which is their theological school and i will never forget the day that i met jessica Uh i I don't know if you remember this (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it was like, almost like a kindred spirit, like walking in and I don't remember, I think it was like our spiritual, uh, not spiritual direction, spiritual formation. Yeah, I walked in, you were sitting there, we were both like, what, we had no idea (laughs) what to expect. And Jessica at the time was in Frisco doing a new church plan. Mm -hmm. I was in an adjacent town doing a new church plan. And we kind of just like hit it off, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say, like, at the beginning of seminary, I felt like we were both on fire. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Is that, I mean, that's that's probably true, right? We were excited and like, yes, we're going to just go do all these great things for God. Yeah. I, re- and I, I remember ahead. just being super, uh, yeah, super fired up, super pumped. And also just like, I, for me, it was just, I was so thankful to be able to actually just study God's word. Because, you know, even in my early years of ministry, realizing, like, a lot of people just don't do this. A lot of Christians um, don't even have, like, the opportunity and the time to really dig into God's word the way that we were, you know. And so I, at the beginning, (laughs) had just such a spirit of thankfulness for, for being there and for being able to just go that deep in the word. So, yeah, that's where I was at the beginning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. By the time you're done, I almost felt like excited. It's so excited to be done a little deflated and a little like what now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so I, I'd be interested to know for me, when I went into seminary, I was very much on like, I knew what I was called to do to be a pastor. Like I just, like, I didn't know in what form I didn't mm-hmm. know where that was going to lead, but I knew specifically I was called to be a pastor and go down this kind of shepherding path. And so is that what you thought when you were going to seminary or was it more open? Yeah, no, I had, I had no idea. So even before I went to seminary, I had just gotten married. Um, I went to a 
uh, Criswell College, which is a Southern Baptist Bible college in Dallas, Texas, mm. and just being a woman of color, I'm Latina. And so being coming from that, I was like um, coming from a space where I struggled, you know, to be seen, to read books about God and theology that were not written from white men. I mean, that that's kind of the struggle that I had to see myself in. Where do I fit in ministry mm-hmm. um, beyond say children's ministry or, um, mm-hmm. and again, not to say that's not that those are huge ministries, you know? Um, but I struggled to see myself. And so I got married and after that I was praying cause I felt just that strong, you know, pull from the spirit. And I was like, man, I don't want to go back to that. You know, I don't want to go back to that experience. Plus I was struggling with it. Cause like, let's be real, like in ministry, you don't make a lot of money. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was like, God, you want <laughs> yeah. me to go to seminary. You want me to go to grad school and pay, you know, all this money mm-hmm. um, to be in ministry. So I really wrestled with that. And looking back, I mean, this is just where my spiritual maturity was at that point in my life, but I just was kind of like, I made a deal with God. I was like, listen, God, <laughs> if you can get me a scholarship, if you can make you know, I, I was kind of like my, my vow of obedience kind of thing, which looking back again is so I would have done it a lot differently, (laughs) but God made it happen. And I ended up getting a scholarship and that's how I ended up, you know, feeling like, okay, I can do this and ended up in seminary. Um, but as I, yeah, I was discerning, I was searching, I had no idea what my calling really looked like, whether it was pastoral, whether it was outside the church, bridging the church in the world. I had no idea. Um, but I took a community organizing class toward experience. And that's where I learned about community organizing. And then that's when my vision and calling for ministry really came to light for me and what I've been doing since. So, Mm -hmm. I would, you know, it's interesting. I just wrote a post today about how callings are not concrete. Mm, that's so and, good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's God's desire constantly put on your heart. That's changing. And mm-hmm. I think when I went into seminary, I had the assumption, like I was called to be a pastor in a right. specific way. Right. I was going to go and they were basically going to teach me everything that I had to know. And then I was going <laughs> to leave and I was going to take that and just like regurgitate it to people. Like I really thought like, That's the process, right? Right. And it could be no different because even in the midst of going to seminary, Mm -hmm. I, my calling, although it's still in like the shepherding role, it completely changed what I thought I was going to be doing and how I would even show up as a person of faith, much less a person who's pastoring. Right. Um, And I kind of had this moment, I guess, to go back to the beginning of seminary. And I don't know if you felt the same thing, but I was told like, you're going to take in a lot, like your truth is going to be shred and new truth is going to, you're, you're going to find a new truth in mm-hmm. seminary. Mm-hmm. And what I think a lot of people coming into Perkins, because Perkins, I would say is pretty a balanced school. Now I think more conservative schools, but we can see it more progressive, mm-hmm. but I think more progressive schools see it more conservative. Like mm-hmm. I think it sits kind of in this middle But just our year that we entered, I think there were a lot of people who came from very conservative traditions, and they really struggled at first with this, I don't know, not progressive, but just more open-minded understanding of, like, what we were learning. Mm -hmm. And so for them, I think it was a struggle of, like, 
of expanding. And what I felt really was a struggle of like honing in. Like mm-hmm. I was already very expanded and I needed to go and be like honed in and shed some of that expansion, which was a very weird. Um, I had to define my faith in mm-hmm. a way that before I was like, well, it's everything. It's all good. Everything's wonderful, you know, mm-hmm. and I had to actually put boundaries up on my faith. Yeah. So for me, that was a really, just starting off in seminary, just thinking it was one way. And then all of a sudden my boundaries started popping up and I had to start defining things for myself. And I wouldn't say limiting definitions, but just like, I had to know what I thought about stuff mm-hmm. instead of everything's great. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely that's, that's what I wish people would have told us going into seminary, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like it is good to grow and to change and to de- develop. And, you know, that's part of listening and responding to the work of the Holy Spirit within you is that growth and that development and change. You know, if you mm-hmm. your theology is exactly the same for years, it's just like, you know, how are you, you know, being sensitive? So, yeah, I mean, for me, um, yeah, I definitely went through a deconstruction process. I think for me, what, what, again, my background was, you know, only studying pretty much, again, very Eurocentric, uh, you know, white Southern Baptist. And so mm-hmm. when I came to Perkins, uh, the beauty that I found um, that really helped me walk into my calling as a woman of color and to be a pastor was I ha- actually had teachers that were Latino, that were men and, and women. And mm-hmm. for me, the deconstruction process was, holy crap, I never knew that the Bible was colonized. I never knew, <laughs> yeah, you know, these huge yeah. total deconstruction process of faith and my understanding of it. Um, and so I went through that process. Uh, but I think the biggest point of tension for me and what I really wrestled with um, that I was oftentimes frustrated with is um, how much the head knowledge didn't match with like the practical application. I'm a very practical person. Like I, yeah. I'll read the books. And, like if it doesn't apply in everyday life or I can't explain it to my grandma, like it's no good. Like that's kind of my right. rule of thumb, you know? Yeah. And that was my tension with, um, with seminary is just, you know, we, we were studying these lofty, big ideas about God and uh, people and justice and all of that. And then as I was doing community organizing work, there was a lot of theology that I had to be willing to surrender and rewrite for myself um, because it just didn't match what I was reading in the textbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a hard part for me to, to do. Um but I think it led me to a holistic theology in the end. So that's a good thing, right? I, I'm in a good place now, but it definitely, yeah, that's something you need to know in going into seminaries that it's, it's a, you're supposed to grow and develop and change as you do it. Yeah. Well, and I also, I mean, I guess looking back, one of the hardest things I think for one of the hardest classes, right? Just for me, for personal reasons, um, our second year of seminary, I was pregnant. I got pregnant at the very beginning of the semester and I had, uh, Polly, she's my youngest. Mm -hmm. I had her, I think a week or two after 
um, the second semester of the second year ended. So the entire year, <laughs> second year of seminary, I was pregnant. I had a full load, but it was also the hardest classes, which is called systematics. Mm. Um, yes, and, I remember. Oh, my goodness. I just remember thinking like, what are these people even talking about? What, <laughs> why am I writing this stuff down? And I really, even to this day, I would stand by this. Like theologians from the past, obviously you want to honor their work. You want to honor their spirit. You want to honor their faith and not mm-hmm. just say, well, they're of the past. It doesn't matter. Well, of course it applies to today. But I just wish there was some more modern thought on who we could pull from and some voices, like current voices, even if they hadn't written novels, even if right. they hadn't done all the research, but just like practical, like you said, practical application mm-hmm. of ministry work and somehow allow that to be a part of the education process and not just have to stick to the list of names on the paper. And I would say it's, they had a broadened list of names. I mean, probably not as broad as we'd like, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, I just didn't feel like it was anybody current. Yeah. You know, in a strong way. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, girl, how you did it. (laughs) Like (laughs) now that I've gone through a pregnancy, like, I don't know how you did it. Like, I feel bad. I'm like, I should have like opened the door for her more and brought her coffee more. Oh my goodness. I don't know how you did it, but you do. so funny. Point though, where you, yeah, you need a support system when you're going through seminary. Um, Whether you do part time or full time, you're going to need people who can remind you why you're there, like to can Mm -hmm. can remind you of your why, because it does get really hard. Um, And I know for me, the biggest thing that I wrestled with was, you know, we talked, we laughed at the beginning, like I just had such a thankful heart and I was pumped up and fired up to be in seminary. And by halfway through, man, I was just extracting God's word for like good grace. Mm-hmm. And that really was hard for me because I, I would say in, in that sense, seminary damaged my relationship with God in the sense of it just became so transactional. Sermon writing yes. became so transactional because I had a full load like you, you know, we're trying, you're trying to be a mom and you're trying to do ministry and you're, studying all these different people that you're like, how are they relevant to today? And all the pieces for yourself and the people that you're pastoring. And so um, that was a really, that was a struggle for me. So I would say for anybody Mm -hmm. who's curious about it, um, may not always be that way. And one piece of advice that I got in seminary that helped a little for me was um, somebody just said, look, like you're not going to be able to, go, you know, really deep with every topic or with every class. There's some classes that you're just going to go and you're going to get the grade and, you know, it's done. And then there's some classes that you're going to say, this is the class that I'm really going to be intentional about and dive deep and, you know, create the time to have the conversation in, you know, in the patio with professors and students and stuff like that. And, and you have to kind of craft that out. Um, if you expect that you can do it all and do it all really, really well, realistic. Um, so that's another thing I wish people would have told me, you know, going into it as well. Um, yeah. Because it yeah. does. It kind of get yourself out of that transactional space and back into that relational space with God and, and the word and all of that too. Well, and I was just thinking like, 
you're saying that. I mean, that was great advice that somebody told you. The best advice I think I got was uh-huh. C is for completion. <laughs> Just get it done. <laughs> I remember you would tell me that too. Like, yeah, it's like, stop stressing out. Yeah. C's for completion. Just get it doesn't that even C. matter. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Let's just get done with this class because you would, you would get so stuck. And I just remember hours. I mean, I was obviously in a different space at that time. I mean, even when I wasn't pregnant, um, before my pregnancy, I had two children and my husband mm-hmm. worked mm-hmm. and it was like crazy busy. So that was a hard monitoring thing. And then after, you know, I had three children. So it was always like a balance of, I can't miss out on my life happening now to do schoolwork, but I have to do schoolwork to be launched into the ministry. And so it was always, that was the tension. Yeah. And I really think, you know, that helped me. I, I guess I'm just, I, I will put, I mean, that's just a part of who I am, right? Like that's a double-edged sword. I'll just figure it out. And normally I'm the one that suffers in the middle of it, you know, and then mm-hmm. I, I have to work that out with my spiritual director therapist on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say my biggest struggle that I had that had to do with like the education that we got there was the expectation of everybody's voice sounding a certain way. Mm. And I don't know if that was just something that I have always struggled with. And so it was amplified, but taking preaching courses there Mm -hmm. was like damaging to my soul (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I left thinking every sermon needs to have you know, quotes from, you know, great theologians of the past. Oh, yeah. It needs to sound a certain way. And I worked so hard to pass those classes. Right. And I think it's really, I mean, that part of seminary, although I understand what they were trying to do and, like, teach you how to flush out your ideas. Yeah. um, I think some of our professors went in a little hard because it's taken me years to unfold that and say, you're not preaching for a grade like Mm -hmm. you're preaching so that somebody can understand and connect with God and oh yeah hear God in the message and yeah I don't know I mean Perkins is obviously not known for a preaching school nothing against Perkins but Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. not yeah why people go there right Uh, but I would say like if you're listening to this and you're starting seminary and you get into some of these classes and it feels like I'm never going to measure up when whatever that knowledge is and you take and apply it in the world. Mm -hmm. You don't have to hold on to it after you leave. You know, like you have the choice just to let some of that shed away and to find your own voice in the midst of it. Because, you know, our professors are only teaching from their lens and their point of view of what they think it should sound like. Right. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Because when I was um, first starting to actually preach and kind of, you know, have enough courage to start to do that in different settings, mostly Methodist, you know, settings, but I had a lot of friends and family who are not Methodist. And so, you know, thank God they loved me enough to say, you know, I I see God at work and how you're in, in what you're saying, but you're not being yourself. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the part that also, I think, yeah, you hit it right on the T is that, they are trying to produce people that will work in the system, in the Methodist system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, versus how do we craft and cultivate people that are themselves, that speak uniquely into their voice um, as pastors and preaching and all of that. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I struggled with that at the same time. And so every time I have to remind myself whether I'm going to preach at an all-Black church, if I'm going to go preach in my setting older, you know, white congregation where I'm going, I have to always remind myself to be myself. There's not, 
necessarily a formula to, to how to do this, you know? Um, right. But yeah, you do. There's, that's something that I'm still working on, still shut. Yeah. Forming <laughs> in my life for sure. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I felt like I, I didn't get the grades I thought I, I deserved in seminary, like with <laughs> preaching and stuff. But, but that's because I wasn't following that particular system that they had created. Yeah. I, I often wonder if I could go back, what would I have studied more? Like if I could just be like, I just want to go for myself and not because I'm even worried about a grade or I have mm-hmm. to do this to, to get to the next point. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's a huge piece of, I think advice for no matter if you're in seminary or anything. Yeah. Like if you're in the mode, I have to do this to get to the next point. Don't yeah. miss it. Right. Cause I feel like, I, obviously I had to get to the next point to do what I wanted to do, but I really felt like I was just on the train moving forward and I missed out on some shaping and forming that right now I could not go back and do, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe later in life. But I think about like what class or what would I, what subject would I have studied more in seminary if I would have had the time just to choose, <laughs> like not do mm-hmm. systematics and mm-hmm. pick up, mm-hmm. uh, what would that be? Have you ever thought about that? Um, no, I think I, I think I actually did what I wanted to do, which is actually oh. <laughs> put me into kind of a bind, uh, worth, worth. but, um, I, I mean, I studied a ton of, um, Christology and seminary, like that's because that's where I was wrestling with. I really wrestled with this. God had to send his son to die, um, mm-hmm. that God was a he, um, this Can you whole... define Christology for people listening? Yeah, so it's basically just, you know, beliefs about Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, Jesus' identity, and um, I'm blanking out in the fancy word for salvation. Soteriology, I think. Yes. Yeah. Ooh! Yeah. Dr. So... Miles would be proud. <laughs> but even our idea of, like, why did Christ have to come and die? You know, was it required? Could God have done it a different way? It's asking all of those really hard questions. And that's where I was stuck in, I think, seminary where I felt like, God, I was wrestling the most with with God in my theology, my beliefs about God. So for yeah. me, that's been a lot of time. Um, yeah, just studying that, trying to get as much information about that. And then again, taking that to the streets. And when I say the streets, I'm, that's the application. That's where I was in ministry doing community organizing. Um, so yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think if I could go back, um, on spent more time, less time in the books and more time with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, you know, it's such a big load books and classes and all the things that you have to do. And I didn't do ordination. I wasn't in the process of ordination during seminary. There's just no way I could have done both. Um, but if I could have gone back, you know, ministry and just life in general, so much about who, you know, and who you connect with and how God makes a way through different connections and people. And yeah, I just, I would have spent less time in the books to be able to cultivate more ministry partnerships while I was in seminary. Um, yeah. and that's, that's a huge part because ministry is all about people. Right. And so, um, yeah, I wish I could have done that going. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, <clears throat> I would have taken more pastoral care classes 
more like I almost think CPE, which is like going to, it's almost like a residency at a hospital, mm, yeah. um, working with people who are facing crisis that you've never dealt with. Mm. That would have been really helpful. Just walk, in any kind of ministry um, and wrapping your mind around like, how do you show up to that space? How do you hold space for people who are going through tragedy? How do you deal with that? Not because, um, you know, you can't figure it out along the way, but that's the practical part of ministry that, Mm -hmm. you know, head knowledge is helpful as far as like discussing what you think, but Mm -hmm. how do you show up in those situations? How do you be a vessel of mercy and grace in a pastoral role, which is very different than like, you know, your grandma's sick and you go to visit, you Mm -hmm. know, those kind of things. And when you're, if you're listening to this and you're going to go into pastoral ministry, those are going to be the first things that happen. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I need you to go to the hospital. So-and-so's not feeling well, or so-and-so has had a baby or, you know, so-and-so just found out they're, you know, if they've got a terminal disease or, oh, Hey, yeah. can you show up and pray for me? And you're like, what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> no. know who you are. Yeah. You know, I mean, those are the things that kind of happen. And I just wish I would have spent some more time in those areas, at least, you know, developing my own ministry. But I mean, over at this point, I feel like I've honed that in, obviously still growing, but honed in what that looks like, mm-hmm. but I had no clue graduating what, what that ministry would look yeah. like you know, out in real life. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I, yeah, I, now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, I could have used, you know, some of that too. <laughs> uh, that a lot of that just came with life and, and all of those things happening in my own life. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, you come out of seminary thinking I have to produce these amazing sermons, you know, and everything is about having the answers and having all the answers. And you just feel this Mm -hmm. tremendous amount of pressure to have all the answers. And then, like you said, you get into ministry and what's that saying? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care or something like that. Man, if you can like, I've never heard that on your forehead as you go through seminary and in ministry, it'll take you, it'll take you just so much further with people Um, because that's the other thing that I had to realize in ministry, like seminary will train you to have all the answers and you're just not going to have all the answers. And when people are going through pain, you'd have to learn pain with them. You don't necessarily have to have the best sermon. And for me, my best sermons are when I can actually be vulnerable with people and share my own pain in the midst of whatever I'm going through. You know, people, that's what people gravitate to in ministry so yeah. that is a reminder, I think, for anybody in ministry, whatever type of ministry, whether it's pastoral or not, it's just remembering, uh, remembering that. Yeah, I think that's so true. Just to, if, if you're entering seminary this year, or maybe you're in that dreaded second year where you're having to go through systematics, or, you know, maybe you're just not taking classes or maybe you're trying to decide wherever you're at in the process. I just think that, or even if you're not going to seminary, even if you're just doing something new and challenging and hard mm-hmm. is to like show up with a, with an air of grace. Like yeah. you're not going to have it all figured out. You're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a bumpy road. Like a challenge is never supposed to be smooth, right? It's yeah. supposed to test and squeeze. You're and- not there to look like everybody else or preach like everybody else or think like everybody else. Right. Like, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're unique. And I love that in churches, we say it like, you're unique, just mm. how you are. Like you are loved. And I really think it's important. Like not, not only as pastors, as we, like we preach that, right. But like, we allow room for that and mm-hmm. allow room for that as yourself, as you're entering in new spaces, like yeah. you are unique, you are loved just as you are. Like God's called you to whatever it is, you yep. know, yeah. um, and not try to force yourself to be somebody you're not. Yeah. You it's know? so, 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 so true. That's man. That's, that's a challenging word too, because it's true. Like how many of our churches say that without, like for us, we have our saying without exception, you belong. That sounds great. And then, but it gets really messy when you actually allow people to show up as they are, you know, and to be able to cultivate the divine spark in people, however they may be or whatever circumstances they're in. And so, yeah, if, if you can learn that and find yourself and give yourself grace in this season of seminary, um, then you will, you're. Yeah, you're like way ahead for ministry yeah. <laughs> because that's, that's the that's the key right there. That's awesome. You know, I didn't know that that's, you know, y'all's saying mm-hmm. that our church uh, here at Connections, we just recently changed our um, logo and image and all this stuff just to have a fresh modern look or whatever and mm-hmm. like everything. But anyway, the tagline underneath is you belong. Oh, there you go. You know, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, we must be in a you belong season for people, <laughs> right? The world. <laughs> Yes. Well, just as we wrap up, I just think like what, so if you had to list out the high and low of seminary, what mm-hmm. would your low be and what would your high be? Mm, let me think. Um, I mean, you know, for me, my high is still, you know, I, I talked to this whole podcast about the, the head knowledge, but I will say, um, man, just the depth that I got to understand God's word, the time that I had to really think through the hard questions that people really do wrestle with in life. You know, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Are there demons? You know, Ooh. is there a devil? Ooh. Like, you you know, we don't talk about demons. I know, right? <laughs> but just to have the space to, I mean, just to really, really wrestle with it, it felt, it, it yeah. is a privilege. I mean, unfortunately, like this is, this is the stuff of life. And yet it's a privilege to be able to sit and to wrestle with all of that. And I think having that time, those couple of years to really try to figure out where do I sit with this? Is this true to myself? Does this apply to people? You know, does this meet people where they are? Having that time um, has just helped me to speak into people's lives in so many different ways. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, the they're, they're hungry for the word, um, in a lot there, there's just not the amount of knowledge that other communities have. And I'm not saying that Latino communities, um, are not smart or nothing like that. I'm just saying the access to all this knowledge. And so for me, man, it is an honor to be able to take back what I learned in seminary and apply it into my community. So that's definitely my high. Um, I think the low, I, I keep saying it because it's just, you know, you go through those seasons where you have a transactional relationship with God and a transform transformational relationship with God. So my low was just, um, just, you know, again, having that super transactional relationship where I was wrestling with these hard things, but also I was just so concerned about grades and and, and all of that, but it was a learning curve, you know, I learned a lot from it. And so, um, 
Would I do it again? Uh, <laughs> I think I've, uh, I'm still applying a lot of it in my life today, but I um, definitely am thankful for the opportunity just to share my experience and hopefully impart some wisdom for folks who are thinking about it or doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think like mine, uh, this is what I always go to. I think the lowest point for me, obviously is balance. That was so hard for just my situation in life and the commute and children. I mean, it's just hard. Right. But I think the high point in life is just knowing that going there, even if I don't remember one author even if I don't remember one paper I wrote, like the community that was formed mm-hmm. and having connection in people like you, mm-hmm. um, gosh, that was worth it to me Yeah, to have those people in ministry to do really hard conversations with and wrestle with things with. Um, and even now to be able to be like, I just need to talk to you about this. How do I process this? What does this <laughs> feel like? You know, I mean, yeah. that's worth it. Right. You yeah. Get that community everywhere, especially in the pastoral role. Yeah. So, um, well, Jessica, I am so grateful that you came on Unveiled today. I hope that if you're listening to this, um, that you've been blessed in some way, even if you're not going to seminary to know, like, hard things are possible. We both That's accomplished right. them. Yep. Um, things that maybe you've been told you, you're not supposed to do, i.e. be a woman in ministry. <laughs> Those <laughs> things are possible. Um, and I just want to encourage whoever is listening, like, take a breath. You're going to get through it mm-hmm. um, and enjoy it and think about all the, all the knowledge you are soaking up so that you can go and be God's vessel in the world. Yeah. Amen. Um, so Jessica, at the end of each of these, I like to let people know, like if they want to have a conversation with you, mm-hmm. um, I can put your email in the description, but is yeah. there any way for them to contact you? Yeah. I mean, I, my cell phone is pretty much out there for like my whole congregation. So okay, <laughs> yeah, sure. that's fine. Do you want me to just list my cell phone now? Or do you? Yeah, you can if you're comfortable with that. Yeah. So my number is 972 877 3718. Yeah. So, well, especially you. if you're, like Dallin had mentioned, if you're a female in ministry trying to figure this out, man, I would love to sit down with you because um, our voice is definitely needed. So, Amen thank you so much, Dallin. This was great. Thank you, Jessica. And um, yeah, if y'all have questions for her or me, as always, if this was helpful, please share this information with others. Mm -hmm. Um, Subscribe to the podcast so you get new episodes every week. And if you're like, man, this episode was great, but I'd really like to hear somebody talk about whatever it is, please let me know. And I myself will talk about it or I'll get a conversation partner that knows something more about that. Um, We have some great episodes coming up where we're going to dive in deep to some things happening in the world with social justice. And I'm really excited for everybody to hear that. So thank you, Jessica. And I hope everybody has a blessed day. Bye.